I think so often we see community as just a group of people, whereas sort of in the Maori community, community is a lot more than that. It's about everyone has a part to play, everyone is belong. If someone's feeling down, the whole community go over and support them. It's more of that family mentality. And that, for us, is what we're trying to create here, this idea that you belong at work. Not just you have connections at work, but you truly feel like you belong. When I was five, my parents asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Back then, I wanted to be a princess. Actually, if I'm being honest, a queen. I got more real when I was 10, and I turned my attention towards architecture as a possible career path. But then I flunked out of freshman drafting. So by the time I was 18, I wanted to work in TV and media. And I achieved that dream. But then I started a whole new career at the age of 31. And honestly, my idea of my dream job changes from day to day. If you're still figuring out your dream job, then this is your show. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks. Today's guest is proof that you can start a new career at any age, and then you can start a new one, and a new one, and a new one. I'm talking to Ben Towers, a leading entrepreneur, public speaker, television personality, and investor who was named the smartest kid on the planet by The Times in their young power list. Here's Ben telling me what sparked his entrepreneurial journey. Yes, yeah, so I'm 22 now, so exactly half my life ago I started in my first company. It was quite a random one because I never sort of woke up in the morning and go, I want to start a company. For me, it was one of these things where it just sort of stumbled upon me and it was, I've always had this passion for technology. I was always that kid in primary school who would always be the one like taking apart the printers and then I got banned from some of the classrooms because I just used to pull them all apart or, or I'd be in the computing room during lunches and just like, building websites or building things and so on. So for me, it was always an exciting part is learning and being around technology. So then when I was 11, one of my mum's family friends just came to her and just said, look, do you reckon your son will build my website? She was an author and she was like, look, I'd love just to have some support in that. So it came to me and I was like, you know what? I'm up for a challenge. So at that age, I literally learned how to build the site at that point. Learned as I went along. So she'd be like, can I add a contact form to this page and I would go give me a day I'd go onto YouTube put how to build a contact form learn it and then build it and go yeah it's been done and so started yeah. off literally doing that and then from there then realized you know potential it had but she gave me 50 pounds so whatever was that about 75 dollars or something like that and I was like oh wow like I was really excited I was like it's amazing I'm going to spend it so I went straight to the sweet shop spent it all in these sweets and then suddenly I was like now I want more and this got me into freelancing. So I started freelancing for a number of years. And this eventually moved into me launching my own marketing agency. Wow. I'm just thinking, Ben, my daughter just turned 11 last week. And I'm thinking about her trying to launch a business or even someone just coming to her to ask her to design something. I feel like you must have had certain skills deeply ingrained or done even some preparation before that point, because I mean, I, I wouldn't really entrust my website to my daughter as uh, smart and savvy as she actually is. What do you think was in the special sauce for you? Uh, it's interesting because so like both my parents, they're not in business at all. So my mum is a podiatrist, a foot doctor, the NHS. 
and my dad's a draftsman, so he designs like ventilation units for oil rigs. So both very like specific roles and you know, very good in their niches, but not entrepreneurs, not freelancers, none of that. They have their employed roles and they love that. So for me to then do this, you could argue was a bit out of the norm, you know, for a close family and that sort of things. But I've always had this curiosity, and even my mum's got this curiosity as well, um, where whenever you said to me, even at school or at home, oh, you can't do that or you can't do this, I'd always challenge it and want to go know why. And if, if a why wasn't strong enough or I didn't feel it was a strong enough answer, I'd still do it. And that was the thing. I've always had that mentality from as long as I can remember, as long as my mum can recall. And so I think for me, that mentality has always led to me then really wanting to do it. And so if someone said to me, can you build me a website? That challenge, I'm never going to turn around and go, no, no, it's fine. I'm a bit scared. I can't do that. If you challenge me with something like that, I'd be like, let's do it. And I think it's that mentality which has enabled me to start. I have to admit, you're kind of flipping my perspective on things, Ben, because I have said, Ben, I'm a little bit older than you, first of all. And I've said, you know, the challenge with the younger generation, and now I sound like I'm a million years old, but I, I swear I'm not, is that there's a difference between I know how to do this and I can learn how to do this on YouTube. So the fact that you actually taught yourself how to build a website or add a contact form or whatever the mechanics were of that site and you actually taught yourself on YouTube uh, means that I have to actually reframe my thinking. Online learning has only become more popular in recent years and surged significantly over the course of the pandemic. Last year in March, Google saw a 70% global increase in search for online courses in every category, from DIY furniture projects to marketing and sales. So don't let anyone make you feel any less competent based on where you learned your stuff. If you're good at what you do, then let the work speak for itself. And if YouTube doesn't have what you're looking for, finding a mentor is another good way to go. At the ripe old age of 18, you had a team of 26 people. You're working with major brands, you know, IHG, Virgin Racing, really huge business. And I don't know if there's YouTube videos on like how to manage a team, but somehow you figured that out. How did you do that? For me, mentoring at this point was like super, super important. And that's something with no matter your age of an entrepreneur and everyone listening to this, mentoring is so important and having diverse mentors around you. And for me, mentoring isn't about having one person who is your mentor. It's about having multiple mentors. And something about that is I, from a very young age, had lots of people I could call upon. There's one lady, for example, called Alison, who I met her when I was 15 years old at the Great British Entrepreneur Awards in London, met up with her, and I was literally walking around at these awards, had this massive suit on, too big for me. I was nominated for an award, so was she. She sort of came up to me and went, you're at the same age as my kids, what are you doing here? Had a chat with her, and even now, what's that, about seven years later, we're still really good friends. Last week she came into London, we went out for drinks. So we're still really close and we still support each other a lot. And so like for her, her specialism is sales. That's her area of expertise. So then growing the company, I always knew any time, any time of day, any day, any week, doesn't matter. I can call up her mobile number and say to Alison, what does this mean? Or how can I do this? Or how would you approach that? So when you have Alison and you have five others, you have someone for finance, someone for all these different topics. Now, bringing back to your question, what this then meant when it comes to scaling a team is it didn't then just rely on my own knowledge of managing a team because that, 
let's be honest, as a teenager, would never be that strong because I've never worked for someone. I, I can't sit here and say that I've had a boss which I've been really annoyed at and wanted to quit a company because of that or had internal politics I've had to navigate. So for me, I very much had to use my mentor's experience to really help. And then from about 16, I then realized that growing at quite a pace, I need to add some structure internally to the company. So one of my mentors became basically like the MD, the internal focused guy who just sort of spent his whole day and actually was employed growing the company internally, you know, wiping the deck, keeping it clean, putting in the structure, the operations. So that then enabled us to grow very quickly. So I could very much focus on the sales, the growth, and also the culture and sort of just people support. But when it came to the actual day-to-day delivery, I then knew that there was someone sort of owning that space and made sure it was delivered. One challenge that I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs like you who started with one craft and then as the business grew, their role changed, that they find a few years into the business, they're no longer doing the thing that got them into the business in the first place. How did your role change from when it was you and or maybe you and one or two people and then ultimately what kind of responsibilities or what kind of role did you have as it grew? Yeah, so my role changed from physically sitting there coding websites and launching marketing campaigns to eventually and leading that company and having people delivering that. And for me, I almost got a bit disengaged at that point because I then was like, this is my craft, this is what I love, and now I'm not doing that. So I was like, how can I keep that excitement but also acknowledge the fact the company's growing and I can't be coding websites or doing social campaigns every day because then there's no one to like steer the ship. So I, what I then did is I compromised and I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to attend the client creative sessions. It's about maybe once a month for each client to have a creative session. We'll sit down with them, plan the next marketing campaign, plan out some new ideas and sort of brainstorm as a team. So I would always say to myself, I'm always where possible going to attend those sessions so I can still chuck around ideas, be creative, which is what I love to do, but also know that then I'm not having to get involved in the nitty-gritty of launching that, but I've still able to play my part and had that excitement part. So when I then go the next stage, go sit down with the accountant and look over the numbers, I'm not then bored to death because I've still suddenly gone through this really exciting um, task before. And so it's about almost knowing what your strengths and your weaknesses are and be able to almost bring that together. And I think if I had a day just doing things that I disliked or I found boring for me personally, then I'd start to struggle because then that day would be like, oh, it's a really down day. But if I mix it in within the day, then it, when you never really notice it, you just think, oh, that was just a, a mixed day. And so I think for me, that was always a big importance, never to chuck it all into one day, always just to mix it out. Like Ben, I need variety to keep my day interesting and engaging. I cannot spend a whole day on billing. It will kill me. It will literally kill me. That's why I have fresh books. But anyways, I know other entrepreneurs who need to block out their days so they don't get fatigued by the switch cost. It's worth taking some time to set your calendar with intention and do what works for you. And luckily for Ben, he learned that really early on in his career at the ripe old age of 18 before he became an official serial entrepreneur. You exited your company at 18 and then you started... Tahora a year and a half ago or so. What happened in between, Ben? You're consulting for the New Zealand government? What are you doing? Yeah, so it's quite a sort of random things happening in between. The main thing for me was that public speaking. I've done that since like, the age of 15. That's how I helped grow my client base from my young age. 
And even now, I love to be able to like, share my story, but also talk about subjects to be able to have inspire more people. And for me, I've hated the fact that during COVID, I couldn't do that with audiences because for me, I love being able to do that. So like, during that period of like 18 to like 21, I did a lot of talks, did a lot of consultancy for various different companies um, like Smith Klein, like the New Zealand government, um, led the first ever youth entrepreneurship review for the UK government. So that was really looking at what can we do to unlock young entrepreneurs across the UK. And that's not about just starting a nice idea, but that's really focused around what can we do to unlock young entrepreneurs who are going to be VC-backed, fast-growth tech companies. So really, how can we almost build this Silicon Valley-style um, mentality and mindset for young entrepreneurs in the UK? So that was a big review we did there. And it also worked quite heavily alongside the UK royal family, looking at their digital initiatives. So the UK royal family have loads of different initiatives, which they're uh, part of, which um, do things from, like the Duke of Edinburgh War, which is a very famous one. But there's also things like IDEA, which is all around sort of tech and entrepreneurship education. It's badges that people can complete and it helps them to you know, upskill themselves. And so I did a lot of work on that to help support that and to help it grow. But it also took the time just almost reflect because so for me, starting a company from 11, I never had those sort of moments from 11 to 18 where you could just go traveling, not bring your laptop, not care about the world and just do what you want to do. I always then had some sort of responsibility for something from that age in some shape or form. So after that age, I was also really grateful just to be able to go away. I went away to Thailand for a month, went to India for just under a month as well. Just had that chance just to not bring my laptop, to see another side of the world. You know, going to India was a massive cultural shock for me. You know, it's very different to what I'm used to in London. And again, I learned a lot. And it actually shaped, you know, my mindset and how we've adapted like, to Hora as a product about really trying to be a lot more caring, a lot more focused in the community than maybe it would be if you just spend your whole life getting in taxis, going to meetings and going to dinners and then sleeping. So I think it really helped just to have that awareness as well. So uh, talk to me about Tahora. Yeah, so Tahora is the workplace connection tool. We bring together employees based on who they are. We do not care about your job description. We do not care about your role within the company. What we care about is you are a human and you have, uh, we call it psychosocial needs. You have needs to have other humans and community around you to both be productive at work, but also to be happy and healthy. So that for us is our big focus. So yes, we have like a mental health at heart focus. We never really call ourselves a mental health app because we're not there to maybe support should somebody need that level of support. We, we do pass you to the relevant support that's available from the company, but our big focus is like the stage one, it's about community. It's tackling the percentage of 47% of people do not have a close friend at work. So if you don't have a close friend at work, you're now going eight or nine hours a day into this environment We don't feel like you've got someone you can chat to should something go wrong or you just want to vent or just want to you know, talk about a subject. You don't have that. So that for us is our real big focus. What got me into Tahoe was quite interesting. So after exiting the marketing company when I was 18, I started to do a lot of speaking, a lot of consultancy, and I started to speak for Glaxo Smith Klein, GSK. Spoke at their leadership conference and then got asked, to become a communications director for eight months um, with all of the change programs linked with the merger of Pfizer and the consumer healthcare business. And that was because they were really looking for someone to really be quite innovative and forward thinking about that. So I did that role for this eight months. And at the end of that, I was now like, I now want to launch my next business. But what I'd also seen at that time is almost corporate culture. 
I'd seen sort of the ability for somebody to go into a room and leave a room without speaking to someone. I'd seen how somebody can not truly know people less sitting around. So that then really got me motivated to want to do that. Then the other side of that was then, so some of my family and really close friends were going through some quite challenging mental health issues. And so I was in like, I really want to combine those two together and go, how can we address this mental health challenge across society? But how can we also look in the corporate environment, people going to work and in one good use case, not realizing the person next to them had also for the last six months been training for the same half marathon that they'd been doing and ran it on the same day. And that was a true story that I'd overheard. And I was like, that's not right. People, you see it every single day, you're there next to each other. And you didn't realize that. So that for me is like the big focus behind Tahora. And then um, I got introduced to my co-founder, Mike, through actually his auntie, who is very senior in the NHS. And, they, and she sort of said, you two should chat. He's got a startup experience from Berlin. We met about a year and a half, two years ago now. And then beginning of last year, started Tahora. Now, the name Tahora is quite interesting because it's actually Maori, so from New Zealand, and it's Tahi and Ora, which is together and health. But we wanted to almost get that in, but not in an obvious way because we don't be seen as being this outright health app. It's more about community and culture. So that's why we created Tahora as like a new word that we could just own and use. And for me, the interesting thing about community, so I was in New Zealand twice for consultant for the government. And when I was at it for the last time, beginning of last year, was when I was going to you know, some of these very strong Maori communities and seeing what community truly means. I think so often we see community as just a group of people, whereas sort of in the Maori community, community is a lot more than that. It's about everyone has a part to play. Everyone is belong. If someone's feeling down, the whole community go over and support them. It's more of that family mentality. And that, for us, is what we're trying to create here, this idea that you belong at work, not just you have connections at work, but you truly feel like you belong. So that's sort of the whole basis behind Tahora. I love that story. And I love that it has, you know, real world origins that it's not theoretical, but you've seen how it really works in other settings and in other cultures. So Explain to me now, it's intended to be an app that a business would provide for their employees, correct? Exactly that. So we work with companies with about 250 or more employees. And what we do is we create a bespoke environment just for that company. So it's locked to all your employees. So it's all about building the culture. Mobile app, download it on their phones and on that, where it tells a bit about them. All data is owned by the employee and kept um, away from the employer and third parties as well. So we're not about sort of passing it on and, you know, sort of leaking that data. It's still a secure environment. But what we then do is we're then able to link up both someone's location. And that's not like street dress and number. That's around like towns and states and things like that. Link that up with someone's interests and then go, ah, there's actually five people in the same area who, who all have a dog, who all work at the same company. Why don't you all go for a dog walk together? So about making that connection and that during that dog walk, you may form connections with people from random parts of the company you never thought you'd ever be able to do. So that's the key thing behind Tahoe. We have that group connection, we have individual connection, which is based on just one-to-one calls or meetups for lunch and things like that. When someone goes, you know what, I'm in the office on Thursday. I'd love to have coffee with someone who's available. And then you might then go, yeah, I'm up for it. Let's do it. Now, we might never have met before, but we're going to have a coffee. 
So that's then the other key part of Tahoe. And then the, the final part is connection to your company. And one of the things you've realized is companies, I mean, especially in the US, offer amazing health perks and benefits to their employees. But employees aren't fully aware of those. They're often put on the corporate intranet on page 5,000 and whatever, and you never really find it. So on our app, in literally two clicks of the app, you can easily find all of the perks and benefits available to the employees. I can access the EAP as quickly as possible. I can get access to the wellbeing champions and resources. So it means that if an employee wants to get access to any of this information, they can do it straight away. They're not having to wait. They're not having to you know, navigate the corporate intent to find it. So in a time of need, in a time where you want to find the right information for you, you can do it quickly. Ben makes a really good point here. However you get insurance or other benefits, you need to know what's available to you. When I was working for a corporate media company, I saved a ton of money and got lots of support from my company just by studying my benefits package. There were so many incentives that I took advantage of that many of my coworkers didn't even know existed. I got childcare reimbursement, lactation support. I met my financial planner through a free in-house workshop. I even figured out that someone from my apartment building worked at the same studio that I did and registering as carpool buddies got us discounts at the studio store and commissary. I know how to work the system, faux show, and I'm here to tell you, you ought to as well. Here's what else we learned from Ben today. Set your calendar strategically so you have a workday that works for your brain. Do you need a lot of white space on your calendar or do you prefer to have everything blocked out? Figure out what works for you. You decide how you learn best. You don't need an MBA to be a successful entrepreneur. And YouTube can sometimes be just as good as a classroom. If Ben can make a profitable freelance business at the age of 11, you sure as heck can at any age. Join the Tahora Work Life and Wellbeing community for hybrid workspaces today. Find it at tahora.com. The I Make a Living podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Balancing your books, client relationships, and business isn't easy. FreshBooks gives you the info and time you need to focus on your big picture, your business, team, and clients. Right now, you can go to freshbooks.com slash podcast and take advantage of an exclusive offer. It's just for our listeners. And while you're at it, check out all of the resources made available to you through our show notes. Our executive producer is Francisco Arismendi. Editorial and content producer is Leo Shelvianueva. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. And I am Damona Hoffman producer and host. You can follow me at Damona Hoffman and FreshBooks at FreshBooks on all of the social platforms for more clips from the show, tips, tools, and resources because it's your business. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode.